Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about Giacomo Puccini's great Tosca, which debuted in Rome, fittingly enough, in the year 1900, Eric. Yes, and uh, this is the opera that one critic at the time dismissed as a shabby little shocker. Oh, really? Yes! So, of course, since then, audiences the world over have basically said, well, well, we'll have our shabby little shocker. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) It's set in June of 1800. Set against the backdrop of these real historical events, Bonaparte, the Frenchman, trying to to take over Rome, the city-state of Rome. And it's a mixture of sort of love and politics. Right. And what's really extraordinary, I found when when I my one chance to visit Rome is that it actually takes place in very real locales. You can go to Rome and visit all the the places that this opera takes place. In fact, I got to go to the Castel Sant'Angelo and have my little Tosca moment on the parapet. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually jump. <laughs> Tosca, Floria Tosca, who is the the heroine of this piece, obviously. She is a singer, a famous singer. A uh, diva. She's a diva. She is in love with Mario Cavaradossi, who is a painter. Mm-hmm. But he's also a, a political uh, dissident. He is part of a movement against the um, tyrannical chief of police. Baron Scarpia. Yes. The evil Scarpia. He's a rat fink. <laughs> I like how I cleaned that up for the radio. <laughs> in Act One, we are in, you talking about real locales, the Church of Sant'Andrea della Valle. Yes. Inside this church is the Atavanti Chapel, the chapel that is specifically for the Atavanti family. Right. They are a, a noble family. Cavaradossi is in the church because he's painting a picture a mural of Mary Magdalene. Right, but he's using as his inspiration somebody that he's, he's seen come in uh, daily and worship at, at the Atavanti Chapel. It's this beautiful woman, uh, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman that he's is a complete stranger to him. Of course, she turns out to be the Marchesa Atavanti. Exactly. So uh, as he's painting, the sacristan of the church comes in, and the sacristan is, you know, washing his brushes, and he's prepared uh, a lunch for him in a basket, uh, which Cavaradossi says, ah, I'm not really hungry. So the sacristan thinks, well, maybe he's got a little extra to eat himself a little bit later, but he leaves it nonetheless. <laughs> and then the Angelus is rung. Yes. And this is one of those elements in this opera that continually resurface, that, that is religion. Right. And we'll see it in the Te Deum a little bit later. Which, which places in stark contrast the, the awful tawdry goings on of the actual opera, you know, in, in this, um, this very sacred place. Cavaradossi comes in and, and uh, as the sacristan is there, and he takes the sheet off the painting that he, he'd covered it up when he went away. He's come back, he uncovers it, and the sacristan is sort of disturbed by the fact that he's scandalized he's outright scandalized that that uh, Cavaradossi should should use uh as his subject for the Mary Magdalene you know somebody who's who's from actually, this great family yes exactly Cavaradossi then sings 
one of his great arias. Recondita Armonia. He's painting the Mary Magdalene and, and, and using as the inspiration this beautiful woman that he sees. But all the while, he's thinking of the love of his life, Floria Tosca. And he's contrasting the, the different kinds of beauty. But they have this blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, the Marchesa d'Atavanti, compared to his beloved Floria Tosca, who has dark hair and dark eyes. And we see here, again, another of the themes of this piece, and that is the life of the artist and their position in the state, if you like. Because a little bit later, Tosca will sing her famous aria, Visidate. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay. So before Cavaderossi had come in, we had briefly seen this young man named Angelotti who has he's, – he's running from something. We don't know what yet. But he, he's hidden himself when, when Cavaradossi comes in. He now comes out of hiding. And we learn that he was a political prisoner. He, was, he, is, he has just basically escaped prison. From the Castel Sant'Angelo. The, the Castel Sant'Angelo, exactly. And he is the brother of the Marchesa Atavanti. Right. And so he is hiding in the Atavanti chapel. In the family chapel. He knows Cavaradossi, and he knows Cavaradossi to be one of his political sympathizers. They're both on the same side. Exactly. And they both hate Scarpia. <laughs> Cavaradossi immediately offers to help him. But at that point, we hear the sounds of Floria Tosca calling for Mario from offstage. Uh, and wondering, why is the door locked? <laughs> Cavaradossi gives <clears throat> Angelotti the picnic basket that the sacristan had prepared for him and tells him to, uh, to go hide. Yes. Once Angelotti is uh, safely back in the, in the chapel, Cavaradossi lets Tosca in. She's not happy. <laughs> She's about to get a lot unhappier. <laughs> because she thinks that he was in there with somebody. Uh-huh. She has this streak in her, doesn't she? She has a jealous streak. Mm -hmm. She is quite the high-strung diva. Oh, okay. So Mario, Mario basically calms her down a bit. And uh, just as he's gotten her, her, her feathers soothed again, her ruffled feathers soothed, she looks up at the painting he's working on. Uh oh! And she sort of—I mean, she really, she literally stands there and goes, "I know that face. Where do I know that face? I, the Marchesa Dattavanti. <laughs> is that who was in here?" <laughs> and she just erupts all over again. So he <laughs> he really has to work overtime to get her calmed down. He does. He calms her down again. Yeah, and she leaves. Cavaradossi lets Angelotti out of the chapel again, and and they talk about their mutual hatred for Scarpia. Yes. And while they're talking, they hear a cannon shot, and it's coming from the Castel Sant'Angelo, which basically signals that they've discovered that Angelotti has escaped. So the jig is up and the chase is on. Cavaradossi says to Angelotti, you can hide at my villa. Yes. And he even suggests hiding in the, the old dried-up well. Right. There is a place he can hide in there. He won't A little alcove in there that he can, he can sequester himself in. 
So the two of them leave. Angelotti heads for the, for the villa and Cavaradossi heads out at the same time. And at that point, the sacristan comes back in with a whole gaggle of acolytes at his feet. And he's basically telling them about all these preparations that are being made. There's going to be a Te Deum that evening. Because of this being a great victory. Over Bonaparte. Over Bonaparte. Right. And they want to celebrate. Exactly. There's going to be a Te Deum. And then later that evening, there will be a big cantata starring uh, none other than Floria Tosca, which all the, everybody's, ooh, (laughs) Tosca, wow. And so they're in the midst of celebrating this idea and the kids are just, you know, dancing around and they're, you know, really kind of getting all excited about what's going on. And at that moment, you hear those big five crashing chords that open the opera. And this is the theme of none other than Baron Scarpia, who strides into the room and sucks all the energy out of it immediately because everybody is immediately terrified. Scarpia is there because they are searching for Angelotti. Right. And he orders a search of the church and a search particularly of the Atavanti chapel. Right. But he doesn't find Angelotti because obviously Angelotti is not there. Right. But what does he find? Two pieces of evidence. First, there is the picnic basket that Angelotti had been eating from. And secondly, they find a fan. And it's a fan with the Atavanti family crest on it. And Scarpia says, I hope I'm getting this right, Iago had a handkerchief, I have a fan. That's a reference to Othello. Oh, Shakespeare's Othello. And what he means is he's going to use this fan in the same way that Iago used the handkerchief in Othello. He's going to use the fan to stir up in Tosca Jealousy, because he knows what she's like. And he knows that... He wants her to become jealous of Cavaradossi because Scarpia wants wants her. her. (laughs) Exactly. He wants her bad. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because she's famous. So he knows her. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's famous. He wants her. So it's around that time that Floria Tosca herself returns looking Mm -hmm. for Mario and she finds Scarpia who sort of sidles up to her and starts to work uh, fanning the flames of suspicion. He shows her the fan. Yes, he does. And it works. (laughs) He gets right into her her head pretty, pretty quickly and pretty effectively and sends her off feeling very insecure about uh, about her relationship with Mario. And he has his people tail her because he knows she's going to go straight to Mario's villa. Then church bells start ringing, cannon fire from the Castel Sant'Angelo, and the Te Deum begins. Yes. Which is this great solemn, celebration. It's a solemn, stately procession in the church with all the vestments and all the... You know, the incense and the bells and then the, the vestments and everything. And while this is going on, there's Scarpia standing there declaring what he wants. He wants to destroy Cavaradossi and he wants Tosca in his arms. Two things. He says, go, Tosca. There is room in your heart for Scarpia. Yeah. And you have that beautiful blend there of the 
the religiosity of the Te Deum and the procession, the cardinal, etc., and then Scarpia's infamy over the top of it. It's the sacred and the profane all at once, once right. in, in harmony with one another, which is ironic. And at the height of it, it builds and it builds and it builds. And at the height of it, Scarpia cries out, Tosca, mi fai dimenticare il Dio. You make me forget God. At which he then joins the Te Deum and finishes the Te Deum with all the, the rest of the chorus. It's so brazen because yeah. here he is saying, I will give up any hope of heaven just to have Tosca. Yeah. And then he turns around and kneels down with everybody else as the cardinal walks past as if he were the perfect faithful Christian. Yeah. Of course, you know, I mean, this guy basically gave up any chance of heaven a long time ago, but that's beside the point, right? <laughs> and that's the end of Act One. Yes. Act Two, we're in the Farnese Palace, yes. which is where Scarpia's apartments are. Right. He's in the midst of dinner, and he's awaiting his henchmen to come back and, you know, hopefully uh, deliver Cavaradossi and Angelotti to him. Elsewhere in the palace, there is a celebration going on to celebrate the victory over Bonaparte. The aforementioned cantata. And that's right. Tosca is going to be singing that cantata there. So Scarpia's dinner is interrupted when Cavaradossi is in fact brought in before him, uh, having been arrested. Because as Scarpia had sent his henchmen out to follow Tosca, she goes to the villa and sees Cavaradossi and she leaves very quickly. The henchmen from Scarpia arrive, they search the villa, they find Cavaradossi and they arrest him. But they don't find Angelotti. They don't find Angelotti. They search he's not the house. In the villa. Right. <laughs> and they bring him back to the uh, Farnese Palace to Scarpia. Who insists that he tell him where is Angelotti. And of course, Cavaradossi refuses to tell him. And while they're speaking to one another, you can hear in an adjacent part of the palace, you can hear the cantata. The music from the cantata bleeds in. And you can hear Tosca soaring over the chorus. Uh, while, while they're singing the cantata. And that is a real jolt to Scarpia because he has Cavaradossi in front of him and he hears Tosca's voice in his ears. Right. And at the same time, again, we've got the sacred and the profane going on because you can hear Tosca singing this, this cantata. It's a sacred work while at the same time Scarpia is just you know, doing the most god-awful things <laughs> or about to do the most god-awful things imaginable because when the cantata finishes, Tosca rushes there. Scapia had sent her a note mm -hmm. which brought her to his apartment right. after the cantata. Right. And she sees Cavaradossi and she runs to embrace him. Scapia, and he, start, he starts to get really ugly now. Uh -huh. He has Cavaradossi removed to the next room by his henchmen, and they begin to torture Cavaradossi yeah. to get the whereabouts of Angelotti out of him. And you can hear his screams, and she can talk back and forth with him, and she, and she keeps you know, yelling to him, Mario, let me tell him, let me talk. And he keeps yelling, he, he, he says back to her, no, 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 I can handle the pain, 
what do you know? You don't know anything. <laughs> you're, you're an idiot. You don't know anything, he says. But the torture continues. And of course, Scarpia thinks, he suspects, that Tosca might know the whereabouts of Angelotti as well. Mm-hmm. He actually has Mario brought back in. I mean, he's covered in blood at this point because they basically have some sort of device around his head that they screw in and, and it's, well, anyway. It's not It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And of course, that just upsets Tosca even more right. to see him like that. Scarpia masterfully manipulates Tosca. He's having Cavaradossi tortured in the next room. He brings him back in so that Tosca sees him and then sends him back out for more torture. Yeah. And Tosca finally breaks down and gives Scarpia the information he wants, which is where Angelotti is in hiding. Nel Pozzo del Giardino, in the well in the garden. Scarpia, as if he were upholding his end of the bargain, has Cavaradossi brought back in. The torture has ended. But then things take a turn for the worse. And Cavaradossi asks Tosco, did you, did you say anything? And she says, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> The news then comes in that the supposed victory over Bonaparte has actually turned into a defeat, at which point Cavaradossi is so overjoyed that he screams out, Victory! Tremble, Scarpia, you butcherly hypocrite. Right. That signs his death warrant as right. far as Scarpia is concerned. And unfortunately, he knows now that the Tosca did talk because it's, and when she says, No, no, I didn't talk, Scarpia... Evil, evil, evil rat fink <laughs> that he is, yells out to his henchman in the well in the garden, go get him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, Scarpia, now sends Cavaradossi away to be executed. Yes. Because he's obviously in cahoots with Angelotti against Scarpia and his faction and all that they stand for. Right. To which Tosca then turns to Scarpia and in this contemptuous voice says, Quanto? And he says, Quanto? And she says, Il prezzo. How much? The price. What do you want? <laughs> and what does he want? He tells her. He says, basically, you. <laughs> I want you. Uh, that's, that's what I want. <laughs> he says, you know, you spend the night with me. And I'll save him. I mean, after quite a bit of back and forth, actually. But that's that's what it comes down to. Tosca is obviously horrified by the prospect of what Scarpia is is suggesting. And then we have her singing this big aria, perhaps the most famous aria from Tosca. Visi d'arte. What is she singing about? She. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting insight into her character. She's basically saying, I've, I've lived for my art. I've lived for love. I have been a faithful uh, Catholic. I have put flowers on the altar of the Madonna. I've done everything I was supposed to do. Why, God, do you repay me like this? Why have you allowed this to happen to me? Which, and it's interesting, it's an interesting insight into her, her mind because she's She's got this sort of childlike view of how the world works. Right. You know, if I do everything right and I'm a good 
I'm a good Catholic girl and I, you know, and I, I put the flowers and I, and I sing the Tadeums and I, I do everything that I'm supposed to do in church, then God will reward me. <laughs> I'll get everything I want. <laughs> and she's completely destroyed to discover that, well, actually, no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Life isn't fair. News then comes to Scarpia that Angelotti has been found, but that before he could be taken, he swallowed poison and killed himself. Mm. Scarpia turns to Tosca and says, so what is it going to be? Are you going to give yourself to me? And reluctantly, she agrees. On the condition that Cavaradossi not be executed. Yes. And Scarpia, think that he is, mm-hmm. agrees, and he says to one of his henchmen, what we can do is we'll do an execution like we did with Palmieri. Palmieri, come Palmieri. He tells Tosca it's going to be a mock execution because he has to you know, keep up appearances for his own sake. He, say, he tells her it's going to be a mock execution, but he turns to his henchman and says, come Palmieri, do it like we did with Palmieri, which he's double-crossing her, and she doesn't know it. So she thinks that he has upheld his end of the bargain. But she's not so naive as to go ahead with the, uh, the little evening as planned without first getting him to sign her some safe conduct papers for herself and for Mario to get out of the, out of the city. And, of course, he's happy to do that because he knows that Cavaradas is not going to be going anywhere anyway. <laughs> Pretty much. So while he's signing the safe conduct papers, she's left alone with her thoughts and she's just, she's just distraught, as you can imagine. And while she's, she's there, she's looking down at the dinner table. She sees his dinner knife. And when he finishes signing the papers, he turns to her and says, Tosca, finalmente mia, finally you're mine. She turns around with the knife and sticks it right in his chest <laughs> and says, Questo il bacio di Tosca. This is how Tosca kisses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's, he, well, to say the least, he's surprised. <laughs> he thought he was going to have a really fun no, evening and he's. He thought he was going to get a nice dessert. Yeah, he's eating. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds himself lying there dying and he's calling for help and nobody's coming. And, uh, you know, she's basically standing over him saying, die, die, you monster, just die already. He does. He does. She takes the safe conduct papers from his hands. And then before she leaves, she does something very interesting. She sees candles on a crucifix, and she places them around the body. Yeah. Almost as a, a, a sort of a religious tribute to the corpse of this dead man. Or just, you know, she's, it's so ingrained in her to do the right thing, you know, in, in terms of, of her faith. Going back to what she was singing about in Visidate. Exactly. That even, even with him, she can't just, you know, leave the body there by itself. So she does that and then hurries away, and that's the, the end, end of, of Act, Act two. 2. Act 3, we are at the Castel Sant'Angelo on this platform where Cavaradoss's execution, mock execution, mm. mock in inverted commas, air yeah. quotes around mm-hmm. the mock. Yeah, yeah. And 
Cavaradossi is brought in. It's pre-dawn, and he has uh, another hour or so before his execution, and so he asks the jailer if he could dictate a letter to Tosca. And he sings another of his very famous arias. I mean, this, this whole score is just full of them. E Luceban le Stelle, which uh, everyone, even if you've never seen Tosca before, you've probably heard Pavarotti or Domingo or somebody do it in concert. It's a very famous aria. And what is he singing about there? The end of his life. He's thinking about her. He's, th- he's looking at the, at the stars, you know, and thinking of her and and the, the love of his life that he's never going to see again. He finishes singing this, this very poignant aria, and Tosca is brought in. She rushes up to him and shows him the safe conduct papers. Right. And he says to her, he asks her, at what price? Right. And she tells him. She tells him everything that, she, that just happened. Including the fact that she killed Scarpia. Uh-huh. And he's very moved by her, the ordeal she's gone through and what she had to do to get to this point. And she, she for her part, says, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a mock execution. And uh, you're going to have to pretend to, to die and fall. And he, he goes along with her. And yet you can tell from, from his demeanor that he knows that she's been double-crossed. He, know, he knows it's not mock. Cavaradossi he knows? He does, yeah. He knows Scarpia. He knows there's no way. He knows no way Scarpia is going to let him go. There's no way. He humors her and goes along with it, but he knows fully well that he's, he's about to die. Tosca has coached him, though. You know, this is how to form, you know, make it look good. Right. Make it look believable. And so he is shot. He's put in front of the firing squad. Right. And he falls. And she's, she's sort of commenting you know, all the while that this is going on. She's, she's sort of stream of consciousness talking. And she says, oh, what an amazing, what a great actor you are. And, and as they start to file, I said, don't move yet. Stay, stay still. Don't, not yet, Mario. Stay, stay where you are until they've all filed out and they're all alone again. And she says, Mario, Mario, quick, get up. Get Now's up. the time. Yeah. Get up. Get up. Get up. Why aren't you moving? And then she goes over and she discovers the double cross. Scarpia he's, has he's tricked quite her. dead. That the mock execution was not a mock execution. That Palmieri's execution was not a mock execution. It was all too it real. It was real. And at that point, uh, she hears a commotion from below in the Castel Sant'Angelo. They have discovered Scarpia's body. They're looking for her. She makes a split decision, runs up to the top of the parapet just as they come out, and they're, they're, they're moving in on her, and they're going to get her, and she stands up on the parapet, looks into the heavens and says, O Scarpia, avanti a Dio, before, I will see you before God, and she jumps to her death. And that's the end of the opera. That is the end of the opera. A remarkable figure, Tosca. Mm-hmm. Because, as you said, when she sings Visidate, there is that sort of naive innocence. And it, yet, on the other hand, she has great presence of mind and 
is incredibly mature. She is. She's. I mean, she's... In her handling of Scarpia and her devotion to Cavaradossi. Yeah. I mean, again, you were, we're looking at a, a study of contrasts, which, you know, recondita armonia. She is naive, you know, and, uh, but, she's, but she's constantly jealous and she's insecure. She's insecure, but she's talented and has all this position. She's naive, but she moves from innocence to experience by the end of the opera. And while she may not be... She may be guileless, and she certainly is that, you know, because, I mean, Scarpia plays her like a violin Absolutely. through the whole opera, right up until the point where she kills him. But she, she does think on her feet, and she is impulsive. <laughs> she doesn't get the idea to, to use the knife until, like, seconds before he, he comes at her. So she's, she's a very intuitive person. She's just it's she's, that artistic temperament. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Puccini has just created a, a really amazing, amazing character, and one that you know every diva wants. And it's it's a heavy role. It's a, for the voice. It's a very taxing role to sing. Uh, and many have been the soprano who have taken it on when they really didn't have the vocal goods to to do it, and and kind of wrecked their voices on on this role. But if you get somebody who's who's got that spinto quality to the voice, that that pushed lyric that the Italians wrote for and, and prized so greatly, and one who can act, because it's a it's a great acting role uh, and requires a really great actress, you've got one really exciting night in the theater ahead of you. And Puccini writes some great tunes in this one, doesn't he? Oh my gosh, everything he ever wrote: Recondita Ammonia, Visidate. The Te Deum, uh, Scarpia's uh, uh, soliloquy at the beginning of Act Two, all kinds of great stuff, just one right after the other. Puccini's Tosca, that's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.